not like, but I did surf, surf the interwebs only to find out that the millennial, the, the young millennials loved hot dog pulled pork over everyone. And I'm like, how? Yeah, I don't get it. And I, it, and it, and it's like, and I personally chalk it up to just like a, a love of like me, me, mediocre millennial white men because mm-hmm. pulled pork is every single, like he's Seth Cohen, he's Nick Miller, he's like that sort of, I think, annoying male millennial blueprint that like mm-hmm. we really lost, that like we sort of lift up to the heavens these days. And I'm like, oh, that's why. I was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. But like, he was the worst. Hello everyone, this is Alex. And this is M. Welcome to the latest episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. This is a podcast for TV lovers, movie buffs, and binge watchers of all ages. On this podcast, we'll be discussing what we loved, what we hated, and what's just a bit problematic about the TV and movies that we're addicted to, and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Today we'll be discussing the final two seasons of the iconic sex comedy, Sex and the City. We'll be moving into the last two seasons as well as the first movie on the series that made Cosmos and Manolo Blahniks trendy and featured women who knew exactly how they liked their drinks, their shoes, and their men. It's been 17 years since the series debuted, so how does Sex in the City hold up for millennials living through a pandemic? Stay tuned. All right, everyone. So, um, in case you missed our last episode, stop right now and go ahead and listen to that. But if you are all caught up, here are some uh, details about Sex and the City to refresh your memory. Sex and the City is classified as a comedy drama, romantic comedy, and sex comedy. It was created by Darren Starr, and it's based on Sex and the City, uh, the collection of essays by Candace Bushnell. The series was released from June 6, 1998 through February 22, 2004 on the HBO network for a total of six seasons and 94 episodes. It had three spinoffs, Sex and the City, the movie, part one and two, and The Carrie Diaries, uh, which was a CW TV series about a young teenage Carrie. The series stars Sarah Jessica Parker as Carrie Bradshaw, our primary protagonist. Um, we, When we meet her, she is a columnist for the fictional newspaper, The New York Star. Kristen Davis as Charlotte York, later Charlotte York Goldenblatt. She is one of Carrie's best friends and an art dealer turned housewife. Kim Cattrall as Samantha Jones. She is one of Carrie's best friends and a PR consultant. Cynthia Nixon as Miranda Hobbs, another of Carrie's best friends and a lawyer. 
Chris Noth as John James Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Big. He is Carrie's primary love interest and eventual husband. David Eigenberg as Stephen Brady, a.k.a. Steve, Miranda's husband. John Corbett as Aiden Shaw, Carrie's boyfriend and later fiancé. Kyle McLaughlin as Trey McDougal, Charlotte's first husband. Evan Handler as Harry Goldenblatt, Charlotte's lawyer and her second and last husband. Uh, Jason Lewis as Jerry Jared, a.k.a. Smith Jared. He, he is Samantha's only serious live-in boyfriend. Um, let's see. Um, Willie Garson as Stanford Blatch. He is Carrie's gay best friend. Mario Cantone as Anthony Marantino, Charlotte's gay best friend. Uh, Lynn Cohen as Magda, Miranda's housekeeper, and last but certainly not least, Mikhail Barishnikov as Alexander Petrovsky. These are major players in this back half. So let's talk about season five. Season five was actually the shortest season of Sex in the City with only eight episodes. This is why we both forgot what happened. It was so incredibly forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... I don't remember when the writer's strike was, but I want to say, like, maybe that was why, or maybe it was just short. Mm. Uh, right. It might have been the writer's strike. I think it most likely was. I, I think it was, because it was 07. That was the writer, the big writer's strike, was 07 to 08. And then the, in six, in the sixth season, you hear them talking about the 08, like, stock market crash. Very mm-hmm. briefly, Carrie has, like, some jokes and asides. And, um, that was, that was what happened. So I think that's, that's why it was so short. We're, we're back. Anchors away. And we open back with Carrie post all her big drama, post Aiden drama. And her whole thing in this, in this opening is like, she's dating the city. Like she's, you know, she's. Her, her, this New York is her boyfriend, and we, <laughs> which is like, which okay, that's a vibe. Like I get it. Like the show, that's cool. Like, um, because you know, the New York is like an iconic, I think, character within itself. New York is like a big deal in the show's sort of history and its vibe. Like it definitely contributes a big part of what makes the series a series. So an idea of like being of the city being her date is actually like a really cute one. Um, we see Miranda is adjusting to life as like a new mom and everything that that means. Samantha is like, we said, our girl was down bad last season The like this man cheated on her. So she's trying to like, she's trying to get back to who she used to be trying to, you know, remind herself of her inner bad bitch. Um, and Charlotte is also trying to spring back bra- the spring back from her divorce from Trey. Right. So everybody's kind of well, we 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 saw how like shit hit the fan in what season three, and everybody kind of like was stumbling back. Well, season five is the get back on our feet season, right? Yeah. Everybody's kind of fighting, finding their stride, and doing what they need to do to you know uh make peace um with their with their current situation i think season five is a cute season as brief as it was 
you know, it's it wouldn't be Sex in the City if there weren't a few problematic episodes here and there, obviously. Um, but I think season five is a cute season. Um, I I don't have any real major gripes with it, honestly. I, when I look back on this show, I realize it came out at just the perfect time because so many of the things that the show does, um, you know, uh, make gay men accessories to straight women. Uh, the gross amounts of, of fear of aging, fat phobia, uh, you know, casual queer phobia and racism. This was like literally the last time that this was okay on television. <laughs> Yeah, I think now, like, they would really be subject to really harsh criticisms. In this fifth season, you have Samantha very casually lobbing off the F word uh, mm-hmm. a couple of times, which is really nuts. Uh, you can't do that in the modern TV landscape. Right, right. I mean, there are things I do, too, that honestly, I don't think are even that controversial, but we be what would be considered controversial in our modern era, where it's almost like, it's not enough that, um, you know, you that people be politically correct. I hate the term politically correct, but lack of a better term politically correct. It's also like equally important to a lot of people that your life and all manifestations of your life are a reflection of your politics, right? Like, we have the episode where uh, Miranda goes on Weight Watchers to lose the baby weight, it, mm-hmm. which is her right, right? And she's not, like, promoting Weight Watchers on television or at work or whatever. But I just know if that episode had come out now, there would be a bunch of think pieces about it. <laughs> but, yeah, but some good things happen in the fifth season. Fifth season is Char- Charlotte does hook up with Harry, Harry Goldenblatt, in this fifth season. And they're... Courtship is a very cute one. Kind of seeing Charlotte get a win was cer- was certainly great because I think we all remember that iconic scene where Charlotte's at brunch with the girls and she's like, I've been dating since I was 15. I'm exhausted. Where is he? And I'm just like, yo, like, I feel that. So I think it's cute on that end. But I look at relationships like this and I definitely see them as out of the norm. Um, but one of the reasons why I stray from saying that relationships like this are unrealistic is because a lot of people find Carrie and Big's relationship, for example, to be very realistic. And although it is, I don't think it should be normalized. (laughs) Right. I mean, I get what you're saying. And I, I do, I feel that in a big way. Like I, usually I, and I bang that drum too. I think I just usually bang it like in the opposite direction when it's like, um, like a woman that like is that I think we think would be unlikely to be with like a certain type of man. I think I just bang it in the opposite. Right. Because I do think there is like a, maybe not in a show like this, which is like weird because it sort of rides that line of like drama and comedy, but definitely in sitcoms, I think we've seen through like the years that like, there's always like the sort of like, schlubby pudgy type of dude with like the super hot woman like that's something we know and and see in in life uh in in television and in life in a big way I mean even that was super realistic to me because I have to think about their class status first I have to think about Charlotte's pedigree um he is the right person for her on a socioeconomic level right (laughs) I mean 
on a socioeconomic level, I mean, class status, yes, but then, like, culture, which we'll get into in the next season, is, like, that is, like, their sort of rubbing point with each other, right? Right, because she, she, she was looking for her wasp dream husband, and she fell in love with a Jew. Right. Yeah, that, that part, I feel like, gave the relationship just enough tension to be real. Because I've known women like Charlotte who fell in love with a Jewish man and converted to be with that man. Um, wouldn't be me, but more power to you in the name of love or whatever. Right, right. Um, um, but that whole that whole deal was interesting as well, because I felt like they were trying to give the show more culture while still keeping it as white as possible. <laughs> Right. I mean, and I, and listen, if there's any sort of, I think thing you can, if there's any sort of real like balls to the wall, uh, that is like criticism you can make of sex in the city of like them only representing a certain type of like New York person. Like you can really go up for like the fact that they erased Jewish people. (laughs) Right, they really did because like Jews are like he, like it's New York New York City and Jews like might as well be like you know like come on like um can we talk about too how um uh Stanford and what's his name I forget the other one um Stanford and uh, Mario are the only gay men they've ever met in Manhattan that's a lie too right that's another that's another lie um, the erasure is crazy on this show. <laughs> it is. It's crazy. It's really, really crazy. So, so that happens. So, um, also in season five, uh, Big comes back. Whatever. Uh, <sighs> he he's like a cockroach. You think you've killed them all, but he just keep coming back. He comes back. Uh, you know, to once again just be in Carrie's life or whatever. And they come and they have a meeting and then he's like, oh, by the way, I'm out to California. (laughs) So what does she do? Because she's Carrie and she's low key been chasing this man for 10 years already. Like it's over nine years by now. Does she throw him a going away party? No, I think he just leaves. Like, Wait. wait, wait. I, I believe she t- attempted the throne party. She uh, might not. Oh, I do. Yeah, I think she tries to, like, do, like, a dinner. And then, like, he... And she, and through, like, the whole, throughout the whole dinner or, like, whatever they spend together, she tries to, to fuck him and, like, he won't fuck her. Which is also sad. Like, she was literally throwing herself at him. The whole thing is unfortunate. So... so yeah, he, but this was the season of Burger, right? We end the season with, um, we end the season with her meeting Burger. Yes, uh, she she meets him, and then they're like, and then they like spark up a thing, and that's why I think six A and six B are like split into two parts, because then we have like six episodes of six A with Wait, we're still talking about season five right yeah yeah but he doesn't burger doesn't come until like the end of season five which is weird because i thought he came in earlier too right yeah he comes in at season he comes in at episode five which is like yeah towards the end of that season but she invites him to her book party um on episode five so yeah towards the end of of season five which was interesting to me because i felt like I'd honestly forgotten all about Burger, but watching season five again, I was like, Burger could have been the one too. You could have made that work. 
You weren't good enough for, for Aiden, but her and Berger, I feel like, were a good match. No, he was too insecure to be with her. But she's also insecure. That's why it's a good match. But, like, he's insecure in that way that, like, is damaging. Like, he... He's, um... he's He was, like, threatened by her success. Her, like, and, like, her menial success... I don't mean to say menial, but, like, yeah, her menial success at that. Like... <laughs> and he's, like... He keeps... He's just so mad when everything... Like, because I guess she'd be... She's... Because, like, Samantha... And because this is the season where, all, like, Samantha also, like, makes Smith, like, a thing. So... Yeah. In... Because of proximity, like, Carrie becomes, like, a minor New York celebrity. And he totally breaks down over it. And I'm like, oh, that's... Nope. Can't go. Right. Okay, no, I remember now. Yeah, Burger was kind of, like, the anti-Steve... Like, cause Steve was never emasculate, never felt emasculated by Miranda's work or her position, but Berger always did. Did and like, and then that's the thing. It's like Steve initially does sort of feel like emasculated, right? But he gets over it because, like, you know, he's Steve. He he comes around. Berger mm-hmm. never came around. He just kept being like, he just kept finding bullshit. Like, I mean, I get like maybe they can't work because they're the same person because like. <laughs> Berger is, he's threatened by her success. Like, he's mad that, like, his editor ends up dropping him, that they don't want to publish his second book. Meanwhile, Carrie gets a second book, and her book is, like, very successful. Um, And her tour is really great. And then he is further, he's further um, incensed when they're, like, Charlotte is on, like, a date, Because this is when Harry and Charlotte break up. Like, briefly, Charlotte's... And then the the women at the synagogue are, like, setting Charlotte up with all their sons. And Charlotte's on this terrible date. And she sees Carrie and Berger at the next table. And she's like, oh, like, call me in two minutes. And then I'll come back and eat with you. And so then when they all are sort of eating together, you know, Carrie and Charlotte are chatting. And, like, you know, they have... And then they're talking like you and me talk, like how we're like, and they're like, oh, I would never, like, I would never date a man who brought me carnations or, and he's like, he's so angry (laughs) Mm -hmm. for like nothing, essentially just like, because he's like, because he's like, uh, well, because essentially his, his argument is like, why don't you bitches like nice men, like, or something. (laughs) That's right. So I was like, oh no, that, that's gotta go. Like. You can't, that, that wasn't, that cannot sustain itself. Yeah. Um, Berger is the one who wants, you know, to quote, to quote the, 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 the infamous Cindy Lauper, some boys take a beautiful girl and hide her away from the rest of the world. But Carrie Bradshaw wants to walk in the sun. Right. You gotta let her be light, fam. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like you want the pretty girl you want the successful girl but you don't know what to do with her when you get her and that's a problem and my personal bias is that like his vibe is just too like just like millennial man child raging against mad punching holes in walls because he doesn't know but then he doesn't know how to like buy plaster to fix them you know what I mean Right, right. Just, just destroying property for no reason. It's giving me poor Bruce Wayne energy. Uh, <laughs> it is. Oh my god, that is so. It's such an apt description. 
poor Bruce Wayne. Ugh, that's real shit. Mm, hate it and yeah. I mean honestly I'm not gonna lie to you a lot of Carrie's exes are trash and I say Carrie hates herself it's not because she had lots of great options it's because she had maybe two or three very promising options in a sea of trash season five was very very short but they certainly managed to pack in some really cute one-off episodes and just enough drama but what do you think of season five? Good, bad, or basic? Season five is fine. I think it's like a solid good. Season five returns to, I think, the season one in that it's all very episodic. The stories are like enclosed. I felt it was good. Um, I don't think it was as good as season one, but, you know, seeing how far we've come seasons two, three, four. Um, I think it was it was as close as we could get to getting back into that same wheelhouse, so to speak. But let's get into season six. That was the final season of Sex in the City, and it was 20 episodes long. They did yeah. a 12 and 8 split as well. So there was like Sex in the City season six, part one and part two. We had 12 episodes in the first part and eight in the second part. We jump into the season with Carrie um, about to go on her very first official date with Burger, and she meets Aiden, who's moved on as he should. Uh, Happy for and me. Right. And Charlotte learns that Harry will only marry someone who is a a, a Jew. So she she either like either she needs to convert to Judaism or they're breaking up, essentially. So like, fun fact, <laughs> it takes seven seven years to fully convert to Judaism. I That's did know that actually because my piano teacher converted to be with her husband. That is a big ask for someone. Because a person's relationship or lack of relationship, whatever they have with with their God or gods, it's more real um, for a lot of people than their relationships. Right. So you're asking someone to change their uh, a belief that's a core part of their identity for you. Right. And it's weird because the show doesn't like mention like religion at all. Like... <laughs> Charlotte doesn't seem to be have any sort of real grounding to any sort of Protestant identity, like mm. beyond just like the whiteness of it. Um, uh, so that is important. But she doesn't seem to have any sort of real things about like her faith and what she thinks of it. So I guess right. it's, for her, it's like whatever. But yeah, on another show that like had that actually has the range, that would be like a really big thing. Right, especially if that character was just as firm in their religious belief as someone like Harry. Right. Because what are you going to do if you have someone who's a Christian or a Muslim or, um, you know, or hell, even an atheist um, who's very firm about their belief or their lack of belief? And it, it, it's just as much a part of their identity as his. Um, at the end of the day, you're asking someone to choose what they have over what they could have with you. Um, so they're not just taking a big step in regards to trying to share their life with someone via marriage, but changing a part of who they are to do so. I'm, I'm never a fan of two things, feeling pressured to uh, change religions or feeling pressured to move to a different country in the name of love. <laughs> I really feel like that is a huge risk to take in the name of love. Aww. So I guess the P Petrovsky was not popular with you. Not you were not no. feeling it. 
I was feeling that. And the reason I was feeling that was he never pressured Carrie to come to him. I, I even believe that he even like put out there that they could have like a bi-continental relationship. I mean, no, not really. He's like, I'm not, she actually brings it up. She's like, can't we just, and he's like, nah, like I'm, I'm not feeling it. Right, right. You're right. That is what happened. Um, but even then I feel like if she had just stuck to her guns in the city that she loves, she could have saved them 15% or more on time. Cause she didn't even really want that man. <laughs> I, I mean, well, we know my personal feelings. I think that that was a big mistake on her part, but like, um, Oh, I agree. I agree. I think I, 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 I should have got on that plane and followed <laughs> that man to that country because as much as she loved New York, New York don't love her. And like, it, and, and to me, the pros just outweighed the cons, honestly, at the end of the day. The pros w- heavily outweighed the cons. And, but, we'll so, get to, but we'll get to it. We've got we've to wrap up uh, pulled pork. So Yes. Um, so obviously Charlotte eventually does come around with the whole Judaism thing. And she starts pursuing uh, conversion by the second episode. And this is the season where Samantha meets Smith Jared and the second episode as well. Um, so a lot of things are coming together that will be huge parts of the dynamic of, you know, the duration of season six as well as the movie. Right. Also, we're going to skip the Blair Underwood section. We're skipping it. I'm skipping it. I'm skipping it. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. That did not mm-hmm. happen. It's a lot of weird, goofy shit. It's a lot of weird racial undertones to the storyline. I mean, shout out to Blair Underwood who got that check. He did his job. He is extremely charismatic, but it was weird from beginning to end. Speaking of, of things that are weird, but things that I enjoyed this season, we got to see a different side of Miranda. A Miranda that wants to chase Steve for a change. And she's out here baking cupcakes and doing very un-Miranda things. But I honestly feel like this was a good story to have because I was tired of Steve being portrayed in such a way that he's begging for scraps from someone who isn't really that serious about him. It was nice to see her pursue him for a change. Right. And then not only that, but like someone who like had to... Also him being pursued, but also, like, Miranda having to, like, really deal with herself and the way she reacts to things. Because she initially loses out, really, because she realizes she loves him and she reacts by picking a fight with him and berating him and being really nasty to him. And he's, and of course, like a, like a person who loves themselves, he's like, I don't need this, like, I'm out. And he leaves. And then in the time that it takes her to sort of sort through all of that, he gets, he meets Debbie. And I was like, yeah, like you've got to, I really appreciated that the show dealt with that. And she had to also like really make that realization of like, I, it's psychotic to attack something or like try to harm something that I love. And, and I liked that story. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, she she eventually moves on and gets a new boyfriend, too, but she's still very much in love with Steve, and it's obvious from her behavior. You know, this is the season where, you know, we are dealing with Charlotte's fertility issues in a major way, which I think was a good storyline to have. 
especially because of who Charlotte is. Um, usually when we talk about fertility issues, we talk about them in much older women. Um, and Charlotte's like in her mid late thirties at this point. Um, but we're talking about it usually from women in their forties, or we're talking about women who have other health issues and Charlotte's a runner. She's very athletic. She's a peak of physical health in every other way. And I think these stories are relevant to have because there's a lot of Charlotte's out here who have been in exactly that same situation. Right. Right. Um, she even suffers a miscarriage this season, I believe. She which does. Is difficult. And of course, the biggest, uh, I think one of the biggest plots of this season is that Samantha gets cancer. Right. That comes towards the end, towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And this is where her relationship with Smith is, is tested in a big way because Samantha and Smith's relationship out of context has a lot of red flags. He's much younger than her. She is living with him. She is his PR manager. She is supporting his, him, um, his acting career. Um, it could look like he's using her, right? But when the chips are down and she needs him, he's right there. Oh, yeah, definitively. I mean, not even that. Like, she, it's interesting. This season is the first season that we ever see Samantha, who is usually like very level headed and like very, you know, go with the flow. Um, we see her um, self sabotage. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is. Because that's the first time she gets like really flustered and over her head emotionally, right? She's always very, very calm and on top of things. <laughs> Right, she's very calm and on top of things. And this is the first time she, uh, this is the first season, the first time we ever see her self-sabotage or, or something that's, like, so far really, really good for her. Um, and we see that first when she uh, cheats on Smith, when she cheats on him with uh, her ex-boyfriend, the hotel manager, Richard. And she, and she does it, and it's literally a self-sabotage because she's like, you know, he's because she's sort of saying all the same things to herself. Like, you know, she's like, he's so young. Like, what do we really have in common? I miss, you know, and it's interesting. She talks about with Carrie the things that she misses. But what she really misses is not. Um, but the things that she claims that she misses are things that were like not good for her. Like they're they're like toxic traits like she misses essentially like toxic masculinity and it's like oof Mm. (laughs) she and it's like girl and she self-sabotages and she realized and the minute it happens she she cheats she realizes it was absolutely the wrong thing she realizes like that this was a mistake shouldn't have done it i don't really need this don't need him don't need any of it. And she was really just in her, her own head the whole time. And Smith is, does like a really big thing that tracks with him as a character. He, he just kind of forgives her immediately. Cause he like gets it. He's like, I get it. You're feeling, you know, whatever. You've never really had somebody in your life that was like kind of down for you. Like, you're a hyper-independent person, and so you're just not, not not really quite used to, like, what it feels like. And they make it, and they make up, and they patch it up, and he's really, like, present for her emotionally. 
when she goes through her cancer and, and chemo and stuff. And it's, it's really beautiful. In fact, the Smith character, I think is like a really, it's another good, um, example of a character that's maybe not necessarily like super intellectual, but like is very emotionally intelligent. Yes. And how important that is. And like how important like emotional intelligence is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Sex in the City does have some really, really, really good portrayals of cis het men. Uh, arguably more than I've ever seen on one show at once. <laughs> we've got Steve's, we've got the Aidens, we've got the Smith Jareds, we've got the Harry Goldenbots. Like, there, we have like ideal representation, multifaceted representation of healthy love with cishet men. Um, so the show wasn't a complete letdown. And I think Smith is um, one of the better characters on the show. Like, we don't talk about him being goals a lot, um, but he is goals in a lot of ways. He isn't just getting the relationship that he wants out of Samantha. He's perfectly happy to give her the relationship that he wants as that she wants as well. There isn't that like toxic um aura of resentment in their relationship where one person is getting their needs met but the other is not. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's why it's like and that's why what you said is so important from the outside it looks like a disaster <laughs> like without context but like once you you put it it's they really are perfect for each other they're really really good for each other they do complement each other so let's talk about uh the russian, let's talk about <sighs> the russian. Uh. so sex in the city's budget they somehow pulled the great ballet dancer Mikhail Baryshnikov to be on Sex and the City, you guys. Oh, and you okay. guys, if you've never seen uh, Mikhail Baryshnikov like, dance, like you go to YouTube like immediately. Right? Go to like, YouTube do that. Go do that. Right, right. It's, it's, it's amazing. But um, she meets him. He's in his 50s. And, you know, Carrie's in her, in her late 30s. So I'm not really worried about the age gap at this point. You're in your late 30s. You've already had several serious relationships. <laughs> Nobody's being groomed or taken advantage of. Right. Um, like, she's pushing 40. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, she's not new to this. She is not a child in any way, shape, or form. Um, but she meets him, and she's automatically attracted to how classy he is he's very uh he's he's an old gentleman um um in a lot of ways he is that traditional lover that she's always wanted but of course she wants all of these things that she wants in a uh john james preston package (laughs) and you know what it's interesting because I, i i did make a note in my head that uh alexander is uh the best is probably like a good like is a mix between Aiden and Big I think so I he think is. so he like had that older gentleman quality that Big has right but he is also incredibly forthright honest and very single-minded in pursuing her the way that Aiden was right right exactly and you know it's Carrie 
she don't love herself, so she's got to mess it up. One of the first uh, screws in the wrench of their relationship, and I feel like this relationship moved really, really fast also as a way for the audience not to get too attached to him. Because the relationship doesn't really pop off until episode um, 15. And in this episode, she finds out that Alexander doesn't want to have any more children. Carrie's never discussed having children. Big's never discussed having children. In fact, she's made remarks about Miranda's child, um, um, Brady, about how, you know, she's kind of glad that she uh, has her freedom still. And she's not tied down with a child. But now that Alexander, whose only real crime is not being big, says that he doesn't want to have children, now it's a mark against him. Right. She sort of is like, what do you mean? And she... And it's ridiculous because she doesn't really think about it until... And the only reason why it comes up is because Miranda and Steve get remarried. Like, not get remarried, but they get married. And mm-hmm. so in the fir- in the first show of, like, solidarity, even, between all the women, like, they go on their honeymoon and the baby is passed between Charlotte and Carrie in, order for, in terms of, like, who's going to take care of the baby. So they can like be off on their honeymoon, right? Mm-hmm. And during Carrie's turn to take the baby, she has taken the baby and she's taken the baby to Alexander's apartment, which she she's basically living there, <laughs> like at this point. And right. she's she taken, bought her toothbrush, everything. <laughs> I mean, listen, in the previous episode before this baby, like she he's like, This is the key, this is the alarm code, your drawers are here. Like she's moved in with this man. Like she's she's taken the baby back to his place. It, and like the and she can't remember the alarm code. Um, and the alarm starts going off. And luckily, um, Alexander's home it's just that he's across the way in his studio working and so he hears the alarm go go off and he opens the studio door and then he sees her and the baby and he's like and he puts in the code and then he takes the baby and like they and and you know like a real one they like he spends time with the baby like he likes ki- like he has children <laughs> so like he likes kids clearly but like he's just not trying to have another one and so as she sees him being really excellent with with Brady she's like oh like we're gonna have babies and he's like no like I like them but like I already had mine like I'm good and right his children are adults now yeah like (laughs) listen going through all of that and then, like, you know, basically ending the cycle, they're a t- they're, they are financially independent uh, people living away from you now. And then starting that over again with a baby. I don't even think she knew what she was asking. But just to be very clear, Carrie having a baby actually was discussed once before with Aiden. And mm. she was the one who was on the fence when he was just like, yeah, I want to have kids. I want to have a big family. And she's like, ah. Ooh, so yeah, basically, all that. Carrie flip-flops depending on who she's talking to. She does. Because and what was his energy when Aiden said he wanted kids? <laughs> exactly. And even and to and, and even further, like when they're having this conversation as he's playing like sort of paints with Brady, he even remarks to her that like he's had a vasectomy. <laughs> like it's it's right. for real, this no kids thing. Um right. because like a real man, he takes responsibility for his dick. 
I mean, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> like, like, if a man tells me he doesn't want kids, you're going to get a snip snip because I'll be damned if I pump my body full of chemicals for the rest of my life. <laughs> and, and then, um, and he, he says he had a vasectomy. And then when she's like, well, maybe I want kids. And he's like, oh, you're 38. Like, you know, you're pushing 40, right? <laughs> like, right. Right. And at that age, if you've never even tried to get pregnant before, and you've never been pregnant before, you don't have a child already, your your chances of conceiving, um, like, you don't even know what they are. Like, have you seen a fertility specialist? Do you know how many eggs you have left? Do you know what your hormone levels are? Because at that age, that's what you need to be checking before arguing with your boyfriend about whether or not you're going to have babies. <laughs> and, 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 and mind you, she says, maybe. He, and, and, that, and, he, and I think the line is like, he goes, 38? And you're still at maybe. He's like, come on, girl. Come on. <laughs> right. At that age, you know, like, obviously many people figure out beforehand. But at that age, you're very firm in whether or not you want to have children. If you can't figure your shit out by 30, like, honestly, a lot of things that Carrie says and does are indicative of arrested development. But we just think it's whimsical. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> but but it's it's fine. So, and when he, and then when he makes the comment of, like, the fact that she's 38, that's when she feels like, that's when she really is, like, affronted. She's affronted um, by whatever. But, mm. But it's like, you wouldn't be 38 and single if you hadn't wasted the last 10 years on Big. Listen, listen. Aiden was right there, Carrie. Right. Literally anybody could have been right there because I'm not even talking about the guy she dated in between Big. I'm talking about all the potential she wasted during Big. Right. Every time her and Big were on, that's her closing the door to really great potential partners. But she but that's like the first sort of sort of wretch in this relationship because all the other stuff that Carrie finds to be whatever is just sort of like is bullshit. Like, um, all the thing, all the other things she sort of uses to like pick at whatever is like is just kind of bullshit. And and I think also could just be chalked up to him being European. Like he is, he is like very firmly European, and that's they're different. They do different things sometimes. And so, they didn't make him any European. I think they made him Russian. And they do this thing with Eastern Europeans all the time, where they're like the harsh version of Europe. He's so harsh and unyielding and so different. Like, if he let him be a Brit or a Frenchman, and it would have been sexy. <laughs> See, but that's the thing. It's like, I think they did, like, because he is... Um, he does talk about... And that's the thing. I, I think... I, that's what... Or at least that's what I thought they were going for, is that, like that they were firmly just sort of making him European or, like, inter, like, not intercontinental, but, like, I don't know why I thought about that word. But, like, um, just just broadly European because they because he talks about how his wife is French, the ex-wife is French, his daughter is French and living in Paris, and then how he speaks perfect French, and, like, he was previously living in Paris before he came to New York. So... I was like, okay, well, like, he's he's pretty, like, you know, he's just... Cosmopolitan? He's cosmopolitan, <laughs> yes. He's just, like, a general sort of whatever it is. Um, 
but and then like his and then like his staff like his friends when they show up like his like his staff when they meet them they're all sort of just like generally european and when they're in that like cafe um and his friends like meet her uh they're european they're all like very cosmopolitan and like two of them are european as well so i was like okay well like he's just like I don't know. He's yeah. He's European. What I don't know what you want from that. There's a there is like a cultural sort of gap there a lot of times. Right, right. And it's so interesting because I think they tried to make his age a thing too. Like him and Big weren't the same age. Like fuck out of here. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, so. So Carrie and, and 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 Alexander are like, you know, as she says, they're lovers, uh, deep in Loverville, um, which is okay, fine. And the next big, I think, sort of whatever that's supposed to happen between them is like this fight that they have when Samantha gets cancer. Basically, he's just trying to tell her some real shit. And instead of her, like, listening to what he has to say, she just is, like, super dramatic and throws a fit. Because, like you said, there is a part of her that's, like, uh, arrested developmentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and But basically, he does say some real shit to her. He's like, my friend died. And she's like, why would you tell me that Samantha's going to die? And he's like, I'm not saying Samantha's going to die. I'm sure she will be fine. I'm just saying that, like, my friend died, and when she died, nobody prepared me for that. Right. And that's what I was trying to say to you. Like, I'm preparing you just in case. Because, like, I was like you. I thought everything was going to be fine. It was all going to be fine. And then it wasn't. And that, and but, then, like, when that happens, that shit, like, fucks with you. Right. So let's get with the program. Samantha's in her 40s. Um, and so that's a good age to fight cancer. You're not too young and you're not too old, but the risk of death is always there because it's cancer. Right. And like, she's, he's, not, he's not wishing death on her. <laughs> wishing death on her. And then, and so then the next and final sort of like big thing is that like, um, all the, everybody comes over to dinner. He, he cooks like dinner for all her friends and everybody comes over. And this is, I think he's already asked her to go to Paris. And, um, they, and I don't know, like she, and then she, she takes it as like an affront or something that he's not, I don't know, super whatever that she's looking for, for him to be to her friends. But um, neither was big, not really. Right, right. I mean, he's asking you to come with him, which is more consideration than John James Preston, I'm using his legal name now, um, has ever given you. Ever. Ever. Big's never asked you to go anywhere with him. He's never asked for a hand in marriage. Um, he's never shown real consideration for wanting to make a relationship work with you. Right. Um, yeah, and like, it's weird that she she uses the thing of like, you don't love my friends enough. Like to, she, she kind of sort of uses that to sabotage it. But ultimately in the end, like she gets over it. And this is so, this is what happens. So what happens is that after 
consideration, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Paris. And listen, you guys, Paris is, Alexander asks her to come to Paris and he's like, I'm gonna pay for your apartment so you can keep your apartment if that's what you want to do. Um, I'm gonna pay for you. She's like, oh, like, well, I have to get a job. He's like, well, like, no, like, you'll live with me in like this huge, big ass Parisian apartment that I'm paying for still. And you can just do whatever you want to do. Right. You guys. Right. I feel like Carrie thinks that thinks that things like this happen every day. <laughs> like men are just out here offering women these things every day. Like, oh yeah, that, that's normal. Listen, I, I'm just saying... <sighs> I'm just saying it would have, like, what else do you want? Like, he's going to pay, like, somebody's going to pay for everything. And all you have to be, and all you have to do is be yourself and just do whatever the fuck you feel like doing all day. Like, that's my dream. (laughs) Right. Like, he's letting, he's being him and he's letting you be you. But, of course, he is not John James Preston. Um, But, um. Honestly, the only the only people I was really impressed with this season was um, not Carrie. Honestly, I feel like her friends really came into their own this season. Um, Samantha had to grow, and she did, you know, through her chemo and her relationship with Miss Jared. Uh, Charlotte had to grow in this marriage with Harry and her 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 reproductive battle. And even Miranda had to grow because um, she was put in a position where she had to take care of Steve's mother after Steve's mom had a stroke. And I think this made her like a gentler, kinder person. Everybody was honestly growing as a person except Carrie, which is par for the course with Sex in the City. Right. And I think that ultimately that's what makes the ending for me really disappointing because Carrie says some in the penultimate episodes to the big uh, part one and part two finale is Carrie says, because Carrie says, like, everyone's moving on but her. Like, everyone's growing but her. And that's a big part of why, like, and this is, like, a conversation, an argument that she has with Miranda, because Miranda, very selfishly, sort of wants to keep her friend in New York. And Carrie does, like, say the real thing. She's like, you're moving on. Like, you have a family now. Like, you are living in Brooklyn. You're in Brooklyn. You have a family. You have to take care of, like, your your mother-in-law. Like, your, your Brady's getting older. Like, you're doing different shit. You're becoming a different person. Like, Charlotte also is the same. Charlotte his remarried they're adopting a child like uh she's become also becoming a mom she's moving on she's doing different shit she's becoming a different person samantha is you know finally with one partner never thought she'd do that never thought she'd be that but she and smith are building something together her you know career and his career Eventually, that's going to take her to, and, you know, she's like, eventually that's going to take her to Los Angeles. She's going to be moving on and doing shit. And I'm just still here. 
I'm still mm-hmm. here, but like Paris is an opportunity to for me to also like move on, do different shit, become a different person, grow. And and she's like, and I want you to support that. And that's real. That's real. That's real, real shit. That's it's that's touching something very real for the character in the series. And so when the show sabotages it with uh, an American Girl in Paris part two, where they assassinate Alexander's character and make him act, act out of character. And then they have Miranda intervene and send Big to Paris. And all the bullshit happens. It's really disappointing. Because I think a satisfying finale, I think it could have been just as satisfying of a finale. It w- it w- if, if Carrie had just stayed in Paris, if Carrie does make it to her little, um, her, f- like the cafe where like these people, these French people are meeting to like talk about her book and she, or she makes new French friends and she is happy with Alexander. That's just as satisfying as an ending. It's not the one that's expected, but I, but it's a beautiful one nonetheless, and I think it's a better one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I'm not even mad at them assassinating Alexander's character and fumbling that relationship because the prelude, the precursors, were there, right? I felt like they were foreshadowing this before she even got on the plane. My thing is, why big? She could have left Alexander and just come back to the city that she loves because New York itself, the city itself, is as much a character as any other person on Sex in the City, right? Come back to New York. It doesn't have to be for big. The fact of the matter is them portraying Big coming to Paris to get her as some sort of rescue or the knight in shining armor riding up to save the princess from the tower literally made me want to throw up in my mouth. Because it's still showing Carrie as that helpless girl waiting to be saved, waiting for this toxic man to come get her. Carrie's talking about, oh, I haven't grown, I haven't grown. Baby, New York is not the reason why you haven't grown. You haven't grown because you haven't made the changes necessary to grow. Things don't just grow on their own. They need to be watered. They need to be fed. All you've been feeding yourself is the bullshit of this toxic relationship and the fantasies of what could be. Right. Everybody else grew and changed and blossomed and they didn't need to change zip codes to do that. (laughs) Right. 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 Like, that's a you thing. That's not on New York. Stop blaming that city. (laughs) It's not New York's fault that you know you um you still haven't you're you're still like a woman child. That's another thing that um I don't like about Carrie. Um she really is in a lot of ways emotionally immature and a woman child. She is a hard 38 39 years old, but and you know has had lots of relationships and lots of experiences but it's still operating from a self-destructive naivete of an 18-year-old right and it's like and it's interesting i've thought about that because i don't because i think the idea 
is that they wanted to keep the sort of whimsicalness and effervescence of the character, but they Mm -hmm. didn't know how to do that and make her grow at the same time. Like, it's not whimsical anymore. It's sad. She's old. I'm sorry about it. Um, You know, they did this with another character, and we've discussed this show already. They do this often with Lorelai Gilmore on Gilmore Girls. The thing that helps balance the scale somewhat, though, is that Lorelai is not one to chase a toxic partner, number one, number two. The fact that she's a mother and she always has to do the responsible thing when it comes to Rory, and she has to be the emotionally mature one in dealing with her parents, it balances the scale somewhat. Carrie is a damn near 40-year-old woman who's still walking with her head in the clouds, and it's never cute. Right. I mean, yeah. And listen, and like I said, it's like they're trying to, they're, I get, I get the impetus. They're trying to make, they're trying to, they're trying to think about like a whimsical, like a whim, they're trying to find like a whimsy. Um, because there, because there are lots of older, there are women who are old, who I can think of, who are older, older women who still have that sort of like type of like whimsy, that sort of effervescence. Um, ooh, like Betsy Johnson. Have you ever like seen Betsy Johnson? Mm, the, the, mm-hmm. the fashion designer? Yes. Perfect example of somebody who's just like a very whimsical person. Right. Um, <laughs> I think we can balance a whimsical aesthetic without like a self-destructive mindset. And Sex and the City dropped the ball in so far as that. I mean, and that's just with Carrie, right? Because I feel like with... Charlotte, she had a bit of that idealism and whimsy too, but she's also not going to stay in a toxic situation that's not serving her. Uh, yeah. Like, I, Carrie has great fashion sense and she colors outside the lines and all that jazz, but um, I wish that whimsy wasn't being used synonymously with, um, with immaturity when it came to her character. I don't know. I don't know how they could have made it different, but I just know that, that it kept hitting a sour note every time. But um, yeah, folks, that's how season six ends. Um, Big comes to her for a change. He does the bare minimum because we know he just, all he did was scratch the surface of some frequent flyer miles and get on a plane. <laughs> but he did the bare minimum and she went falling into his arms. And that's how the the season that's how the series ends he finally declares his love for carrie and um we could have ended right on that note we really could have we could have it would have been great (laughs) i mean it actually wouldn't have been great i would have still hated that ending i would have preferred like you said if she come to new york by herself back to new york by herself or whatever or if she just stayed in paris and they had not assassinated Alexander, I, it would have been fine for me. But the Same. show was too big by that point, friends. And so thus, six seasons and a movie. And two movies. But we're only going to discuss we're one. We're only going to discuss the one because the um, second one is like, I'm not even acknowledging it. It was honestly just too racist and xenophobic for words, so I'm not even touching it. But what I'm do we think of season it. six? Good, bad, or basic? Basic minus. Um, I'm going to give it a bad plus. 
that's that's legit. The plus is honestly um, the saving grace of I think the huge uh, emotional shift that Miranda's character made. A great growth in this season. That's what gives it the plus. That's what I'm, I mean. That's me essentially too. I think all the side. I think the the supporting. You know, Miranda, Charlotte, Samantha just had really satisfying like ends. Um, really great like emotional growths and really beautiful arcs and emotional truths. And that's what saved it for me because, cha. Uh, everything, everything else was not it. Right, right. Um, it's, it's, it's super interesting, um, to see how everyone else blossom except our protagonist. I don't, I can't recall many series that actually do this and do it consistently. Um, but let's talk about Sex and the City, the movie. So, you know, just to capitalize on the huge success of the show, of course it was a movie and the movie was already successful, which led to the mistake that was the second movie. But let's talk about that first movie. Sex in the City, the movie, takes us a couple of years, right? Um, into... Yeah, a couple of years after the the, 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 the last episode. Right. Um, and uh, Harry and Charlotte have their baby, Lily, which, who they adopted from China. Um, uh, Miranda and Brady, Miranda and Steve are still going strong with their son Brady and their housekeeper slash nanny Magda. Um, you know, sh- uh, uh, Samantha is is bi coastal. She's splitting time between New York and LA, managing Smith Jarrett's career. And um, Carrie and Big are stuck in exactly what they've always been, a situationship. But now one with like a real official title, right? Because they live together now. Um, mostly He's buying ha- an apartment for them, yeah. Well, not at first, right? At first, they're splitting time and with him mostly sleeping over at her apartment. But then they decide they want to get a place together. And someone is brought up, rightly... That if he's buying the apartment and his name is on the lease and he could leave you at any time because you're just the girlfriend, what rights do you have? This is something that could have been solved easily by him saying, okay, I'll put your name on the the lease as well. Um, But the show kind of makes it seem like um, this apartment thing was used to finagle a proposal out of Big, Um, which is BS because A, he should have already proposed to her. Um, and B, um, she wasn't pressuring him, but from the time they agreed to get married, it's made it, it, the, the show tries to make allowances for big by presuming that Carrie is pressuring him into marriage. Yeah. It's kind of unfortunate. The, the angle that they sort of go with in order to get this proposal is like the, the sort of tried and true harpy trope for for women um which she didn't do she didn't do that and i hate that the show is trying to like portray it in that way because if she were needy and demanding like you know harpy um she wouldn't even be in the situation still <laughs> right um and that's 
and like you said, that's what that's the crux of her thing. And she's like, I, you know, we're not married. I don't have legal rights. And so he's like, well, then let's go to a courthouse and do it. And it's it's initially supposed to be this extremely small affair. She pulls out, to my vision, a very ugly white suit. I, I don't care what anybody says. It's ugly. And the suit was champagne, <laughs> but continue. <laughs> it still doesn't change the fact that it's not good. It doesn't look good, M. Okay. I mean, honestly, I thought that the suit was cute, but it looked like something that a real estate agent would wear to show prospective clients a house, not something that you would wear to get married. So, <laughs> so, um, it's so NBC, like some iconic things happening, like Carrie is giving, giving up her apartment and she, they're getting this new one, but, uh, her old friend, um, from the series from Vogue, uh, hears that she is getting married and they, um, want to put her in the issue. They want to put her in the issue of Vogue. And so of course they're going to have her try on wedding dresses. So, she tries on these wet wedding dresses just for like the article. And then Vivian Westwood herself uh, sends Carrie one of the, the dress that she had wore and that she wore in the, in the shoot. And she's like, this is yours girl. And um, the dress then ups the whole affair. Now it's like a wedding wedding. And because it's like a wedding wedding, um, Big is, like, very put off by that. He's like, I, this can't be, like, a wedding wedding. Even though I would still say that in the in the nature of weddings, it was still very, like, tame. And him sort of getting a freak out about it was, like, really ridiculous. So let's talk about Big's freak out um, and why it was bullshit. I'm going to dissect this like it's my master's thesis. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, John James Preston has already been married twice at this point. And one of his co-workers is making rude comments and jokes about this at the bachelor party, right? And both of his previous weddings, it's, I mean, it's alluded that the first one was a grand affair. And we know for a fact that his second wedding to Natasha, you know, the woman that he married after he had already known and been with Carrie, that that was an equally grand affair and had something like 500 guests. Carrie invited 200 people to get married in a New York City library, one of her favorite places with her favorite person, this man who for some reason she loves, in a beautiful dress given to her by a huge designer. She didn't even pay for the dress, you guys. So if money is an issue, which is not, because big his money, then um, we can't even we can't even discuss the dress because I'm sure that dress costs more than what it would be to pay to get married at the library and pay to cater a wedding with 200 guests. It's Vivian Westwood. It's a big deal. Now, all of that said, he's like, this wedding is getting too big. This wedding is getting too big. And it kind of goes back to a remark I made in at the end of season two or season three. Big is a problem. And the problem is with claiming Carrie. He wants to be with Carrie and he's even ready to legally claim her. But when it comes to socially 
publicly claiming her, it's a problem. And what is a wedding, right, if not a public declaration? Because like we said, you can get married at the courthouse and tell your people about it later. But a, a wedding with guests invited is a public declaration because that wedding is about sharing that moment with people. Not necessarily, you don't need those people to have that moment, right? Mm -hmm. So he's doing all of this and getting all extra for really, literally no reason and snapping at her um, as if she's making him do something. There's even one scene in particular that I wrote, took notes on where he says to her, this is a circus. It's out of control. This is my third wedding. And I really wanted to reach to the screen and choke him because, bitch, it wouldn't be your third wedding if you'd made her your second wife. (laughs) (laughs) like i really wanted to choke this man we ain't gonna pretend like you had two marriages under your belt before you even met carrie you had no problem marrying up a woman that you had only known for a few months in a big affair all over page six right she read about Mm -hmm. the wedding announcements and now you're throwing it in her face that this is your third wedding how dare you sir how dare you (laughs) right right like, no, no, he can keep all of that. And so Sex in the City also lets him off the hook in one other way that I thought was so underhanded. So in the movie, Steve has a one-night stand, and he confesses immediately after the fact to Miranda. And so for obvious reasons, he's not invited to the engagement party. But he shows up, she gets pissed off, and she says to Big, you two are crazy to get married. And that is shown as like, you know, the wrench thrown in everything, the thing that cinches his decision to leave Carrie at the altar. Right. So now we're putting, we're putting that weight and that burden on Miranda's shoulders because she said something offhand that was more about her own marriage than anything else in the heat of anger. And now this grown man is using it as an excuse to hurt Carrie for the, you know, two dozenth time. I've lost track of how many times he has disappointed and let this woman down. Right. Right. I guess not even the first time he's done something like this. That's what we need to keep in in perspective. Big has let her down, hurt her feelings, broken promises, tossed her over to be with other people before. He's done this before. This is a pattern. Right. And it's in the show and it's in the, the movie tries to get you to sympathize. Like you said, it it tries to get you to sympathize with him, but there's nothing to sympathize about. (laughs) Like it's crazy and it's horrible for like the crowning jewel and like the, you know, the movie and the true, series end for this to like be a part of the narrative for this to happen again after we've just watched this narrative of big not choosing her of big like disrespecting her a big like not really being invested in this relationship uh for this we've been watching it for the past six years and then like you want to do it again and have us still root for them like that is nuts Exactly. Because this back and forth, him doing her dirty and him doing her wrong, we had six seasons of that. Why would you take that into the movie too? Six seasons of Carrie being played and tried and tested by this man. 
So why would you bring that up again? Um, but as much as they try again to make it seem like it's Carrie that's pushing the issue and quote unquote pressuring him into marriage, or we try to blame Miranda for scaring him out of showing up on their wedding day, the fault lies wholly and entirely with Big. And some of the best acting in that entire movie actually happens from the time Carrie arrives at the library and is told that Big isn't there to the time where they, they have that confrontation in the street, right? Right. Best acting. Best acting in that movie. Um, the look on her face when he says, I just left, and she drops the phone and the phone slides down her dress is shattering. Even after everything he put her through in those last six seasons, 10 years, it breaks your heart. And then when they cross eyes from their limos in the street and their limos stop and she confronts him and she smacks him over the head with her flowers, like, I knew you would do this. I knew you would do this. And the protective way that Charlotte puts her arms around Carrie and tells Big no. Like, honestly, Charlotte was all of us <laughs> in that <laughs> moment. She was all of us. She was definitely a real one. One of the realists in the room. Um, and and, and so- she's the one I felt bad for in that situation, to be honest with you. Because she had always been rooting for Big. Um and rooting for for someone from the sidelines is different, right? Because she was never in the relationship. But she wanted her friend to be happy. That's literally all she wanted. And now she's seeing this woman's completely heartbroken on what's supposed to be the best day of her life. Like, I felt more broken for Charlotte than I did for Carrie. I mean, wow. Okay, yeah. I see that. Like, listen, if that was my homegirl, we're fighting in the streets. I'm taking off my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing I'm throwing those Manolo Blahniks and hope that they land pointy pointy side first. <laughs> like it's gonna show up on TMZ. It's gonna show up on World Star. We're not getting back into that limo calmly. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. But that was the whole scene was tragic. And you know, like a good friend, first thing Miranda thinks of is, did I do this? Did I cause this? Right, right. Which is like, I mean, that shouldn't, your your silly little whatever you're going through shouldn't be enough to, not that like what you're going through is silly, but like whatever you're um, going through shouldn't be enough to change someone's mind about their own relationship. Like it should right. be, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't be that strong, you know? Right. It's one thing if someone tells you the day before your wedding, hey, this person lied to you, they cheated on you, or they're keeping a secret from you. That is what stops you from coming, showing up on the day of the wedding. Not someone bitching about their own relationship problems. What does that have to do with you? How is that your problem? <laughs> right. And you and here's the thing that kills me. Carrie didn't see Steve come to the party. Big did though. Big was the first person who greeted him when he showed up outside. You knew exactly why Miranda was mad. And you knew it had nothing to do with you. Right. Sir, <laughs> make it make sense. I mean, I mean, you have to like make it make it make sense. Um I just, I just can't. And so, 
so that that then spirals all like so then that's after the the confrontation the and the wedding blows up uh Carrie's friends rally around her like a real one and they go on her they go on um her honeymoon vacation with her which shout out to not canceling the honeymoon and then shout out to just having your friends go with you instead right i mean obviously this is what what Carrie wanted but this was like what uh, Samantha was able to finagle getting them on the trip. And so they they basically dragged a half-dead Carrie to Mexico. Is basically. what happened. Is, what, is exactly <laughs> what happened. But you they know put what? their lives on hold to be there for their girl. And honestly, if that's not friendship, what is? What is? What is, fam? Um, so shout out to them. They really did, they really did uh, uh, do that. And so after the the honeymoon trip, you know, Carrie sort of does what Carrie always does. And she tries to pull herself together. We get like a great magical Negro in the form of Jennifer Hudson, post June girls. Shout out to Jennifer. Shout out to her check. Mm hmm. Always. Yeah. Um, um, I, I kind of fluctuate whether between if it's a magical Negro or a token Negro. And that only reason I fluctuate is because Louise did have her own life and her own happy ending in the show. So I kind of give them like a pass on everything except that ugly bag. We'll talk more about that. <laughs> I mean, we, she, she has like, she, but she, like, she, she's sort of the Loretta Divine character in what's in client list like we never meet the man we never see his face she only comes no in. no we do when she goes home for um new year's eve we do meet him we just don't see her wedding but we meet him and we do get to see her wedding dress shopping we i think th- there's like a shot of him like we see- yeah they're staring at each other across the room when she goes home to st louis yeah that doesn't count like there's like a shot he doesn't get to speak um, Steve speaks more in the movie than he does. And uh, and who know even... Yeah, Steve and Harry speak more more in the movie. Like, all she does is that, like, she shows up to what's-her-face's Carrie's apartment, and she works, and then she's like, you go, girl. Like, you'll, you'll get out. You'll Pretty get much. through this. <laughs> you go, you go, honey. You'll get through this. And that's all good and everything. And like I said, I'm happy for Jennifer. I'm happy for her check. I know that did something, but let's call a thing a thing, people. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, she did do that. Um, And I think, honestly, because of Sex and the City's track record with race, with gender, with sexuality, I really feel like they were doing their best. (laughs) Right, exactly. That's their best. That's that's all that they've got. (laughs) Um, And listen, Steve and Miranda patch things up as they should. Uh, Harry and oh Charlotte gets like pregnant pregnant for real right mm-hmm. right this time it sticks she doesn't have another miscarriage and she's expecting and Samantha in a, in a turn that I actually really liked realizes that as much as she loves this person that she's with that they're kind of like consuming her whole life mm. and that like she is enough of a person of a bad bitch within and of herself and she needs to like step away from that lest she lose herself. And I really liked that. I like that too. I wish they hadn't taken so long to reach inevitable conclusion in the movie because I felt like 
like Samantha's uh, crisis of conscience just took up too much running time. Um, especially like with her, like lusting over her neighbor. I, I didn't think that was all of that was necessary, but I do like her coming to that conclusion. I do like how her relationship with Smith was resolved. Like there's still a lot of love between them and there's no bad blood between them. We can just end things because we're just not that compatible. Right. It's just like, you know, she um she's not the type of woman to like wait around while like he's you know off doing whatever he's doing, and that's that's real shit. Mhm, mhm. And you know, and I like the, that it ended on a note too, where like there was no cheating, there was no lying, there was no playing games, and their relationship always had room for them to be honest with each other from the beginning, which I think you know. The communication will carry you through the good times and the bad times. And again, just a really great, healthy portrayal of a relationship with a cishet man. This, um, God knows the movie was overshadowed by the one really bad one. Right, right. And, you know, Samantha says, like, her her thing, which I, I love so much. She's like, you know, when she breaks up with Smith, she's like, you know, I love you. I just love me more. <laughs> like, and that's real shit. Right, right. And that's okay. And it's actually honestly the way that it it should be um, in a healthy relationship. You have to love yourself enough to leave what's not serving you um, like Samantha did or um, what it should have been in Carrie's case to leave what isn't healthy for you. Um, But, you know, for the duration of the series, we just see Charlotte really just enjoying her life, even though she is super anxious about something going wrong with her pregnancy, life is otherwise good. Um, but, you know, Carrie and Miranda um, form a sort of unofficial broken hearts club. Right. Because, um, you know, Carrie's dealing with the aftermath of Big, um, humiliating her on a scale that even he had not reached before. Like, he reached the apex of public humiliation this <laughs> he time. He really did. <laughs> and Miranda is dealing with um, trying to co-parent with Steve now that they are separated. Um, they're not divorced, but they're they're separated. And so she's got an apartment in Brooklyn because that's where Steve can afford to live um, on his paycheck alone. And so they're, um, they're shuttling Brady back and forth. The fact that they named this kid Brady Brady. Anyway. Um, anyway. <laughs> they're shuttling but- the kid back and forth between their places because... Um, he's begging her for, for for forgiveness, and she cannot forgive him yet. Right, but she does. She do. They do get over it. She she does eventually forgive him for for the one mistake. And Carrie and Big do patch things up. Why? Don't ask me. And right. she gets married in that ugly ass suit in the courthouse with him, and then they all just sort of like. And it's supposed to be happy, and, like, I guess it is, but, like, child, I don't know. Ain't nothing happy about it, from that suit <laughs> to everything <laughs> happy about it. Listen, again, that's a suit you a real estate agent puts on to show you a nice house. That's not a suit you get married in. It's not a, like, there's, a, there's, a, there's a case. Every clothing has an occasion. I'm going to leave it at that. But here's the thing that bothered me about Carrie and Big. So she went to retrieve her shoes, these uh, Manola Blahniks from the apartment that her and Big were supposed to live in together. He's there. They have makeup sex. And then something horrible happens. He says, I'm sorry for having done that to you. 
And then she says, I'm sorry for having done that to you too. And I'm like, Carrie, what did you do what did though? You do? What are you apologizing for? For ah, the way that the writers really want to share and spread the blame around is disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> It's I hated disgusting. it. Then they go to that courthouse, her in that raggedy little champagne suit, and they get married, but her friends are waiting outside. And that's here's what bothers me about that. He called her friends to come after the fact. They didn't even get to witness the nuptials. They were in a room full of strangers when they said their I do's. Right. You know them, those are her best friends and she wanted to share the moment with them. So you couldn't have called them while you're on your way to the courthouse so they would be... Because I'm sure... they Listen, Charlotte would have showed up in her joggers before missing Carrie's wedding. Right? They all, they all would have showed up looking in their house clothes to see Carrie say, I do. But, you, but no, you got to keep it private. Blah, mm. blah, blah. So in the end, John James Preston got the wedding that he wanted. But did Carrie Bradshaw, after 10 years of waiting? Nope. I mean, after 10 years of waiting, waiting by the phone, all all that drama, like, did you really... Yeah, that's a good question. Like, did you really get what you wanted out of this? I don't know. I'm not going to lie. She was attached to that that, that ugly little suit. Um, um, In the beginning, she she loved that suit. Um, but Sue aside, she had also been very attached to the idea of her friends being at her wedding and getting married at the library. We saw the camera pan and the glow on her face when she realized that you could get married at the library, right? And she decided to have her wedding there. This is the wedding she wanted. And all you keep doing is is stealing that woman's joy. They could have benefited so much from doing what Steve and Miranda did. Go to a couple's counselor. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> y'all need therapy more than anybody i've ever seen i hate it mm-hmm. i hate it so they got married in the courthouse surrounded by strangers because he couldn't even let her homegirls come inside um and then they went and had brunch at what looks like an upscale ihop Right, right. Just like a like a, a a de facto sort of like New York diner. Right. And you know, the kids were there and it was cute and all the people that she loved the most were there and it was cute. And you know, you could have told homie like, listen, let's keep the guest list at strictly X number. You didn't have to humiliate her after the wedding announcements were 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 put out and you have guests waiting to see a ceremony. It's the embarrassment that I can't get past. It's so embarrassing. So embarrassing. You don't have to put her out like that. You don't have to put her out like that. And I firmly believe that a person who loves you will... will th- and there's things that you do thoughtlessly. But humiliating someone in, in public takes foresight. And I don't think someone who loves you would put you through that. To be like the talk of other people's uh, of, of conversations and to be a, a, an object of ridicule. I just don't see it. Right. Like, he didn't have to do her like that. But she married this man because God knows she burned all the other bridges. So what are you going to (laughs) do? She married this man while surrounded by her friends and their healthy relationships. So that happened. 
all is forgiven. He never has to grow. He never has to change. He never has to like stop doing the things that hurt her. Right. And I mean, and then, then, and then that's the movie. So the movie is basic to me. Yeah. The movie is very basic to me as well. I think again, let the whimsy go, let it go. Um, I think one of the reasons why I think the acting from Sarah Jessica Parker in the movie is so great was because this was the first time she'd been hurt in such a way that she couldn't make excuses for. (laughs) and this was the first time that i got to see carrie i thought um have her big bubble burst the acting feels like a like very true to an adult woman's reaction and response to being jilted at the altar right um, even the the scenes when she's in Mexico are 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 like just cut like a knife. When she gets in bed and just sleeps the day away in her depression, and she's telling her friends to close the blinds. That is a real depressed person's re- response. But that's but that's it. That's the movie. It's the show. Um, you know, there. Like I said before, there there is a lot about the show that has not aged. Does not age well. Um. The reboot is happening. It should not be happening. <laughs> I think it's such a mistake. Um, but I do think that there is a room, and I'll even go as far as to say a necessity for this type of show, but like fully immersed in 2021. Um, and not, and I'm not talking about girls. Don't bring up girls to me. That show is. Um, uh, I get like rage blackouts when I think about that show. But there is, I do think there is a, a vision and a necessity for like a show that can fully integrate the things that this show left out um, mm. that are so a part of sex and relationships, which is like politics, class, race. Mm. Um, I do think that is that is needed. I think it's necessity. I think and I think if there is a writer or creator who can do a Sex and the City type show, but reach for those things and do it well, I think that's somebody who has, like, another gangbusters on their hands. Okay, so bear with me. Sex and the City, make it black, set it in Harlem, toss in a few uh, black activists and black Republicans for tension, make it a series. <laughs> like I would watch that. I don't know that like it would be, but I definitely think like there's like story there. Yeah. Um I I do. I think there's I think if you I mean, I think if you put it in New York again, um I would probably be like have like a true blue diverse like cast like uh I would definitely say like like one of the four leads should be like queer in some way. I mean, it would be it, it it would be like a juggling act of the highest order, and it it would be a tightrope walk. But somebody who has the range, if you if you could find if you could put together a room who like has the range, it could really do something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be like millennial focused. I would actually like to see this show with black women in their early thirties. Um, well, obviously, I guess it would still be millennials, huh? <laughs> but right. but but give us that timeline. Um, give us the one older friend too. Um, give us a, a, a our Samantha. Give us dating in the Black Lives Matter era as an affluent black 
person living in majority black spaces put it give it give us harlem or give us hell give us pg county and in, in atlanta or or give us a give us or give us a, a a flourishing prosperous uh black neighborhood in maryland uh dc adjacent that would be honestly all of it would be a story um but the same sex in the city same whiteness same manhattan like there's only so much you're going to get out of this story especially since you guys love going surface level with everything and like it's kiddie pool everything is kiddie pool <laughs> Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the main, that's my main thing with sex in the city is like, it's so kiddie pool. Like everything about it is kiddie pool when there's, and there's such a potential for so much more. I'd love to see, and I, and maybe this is like what we were talking about earlier. I mean, I'd love to just see a story about maybe like somebody who is politically one way, like very strongly politically one way, but like is the complete adverse in their personal life. And like, what does that mean to be so disconnected in that way? Right. Right. And compartmentalized. Like that's like, that's the kind of stuff that like sex in the city, like could have done, but just did not have the range, didn't have the depth, didn't have the range. So let somebody who does like, um, so let somebody who does have the range make say like write that story. Listen, there's something there. If you could get the writers and or showrunner of Good Trouble to give us a new Sex in the City, I would tune into that. Same. Actually, same. I would tune into that. And there you have it. This is everything that we think made the back half of Sex in the City good, bad, basic, and so addictive. If you'd like to check out the series, Sex in the City is currently streaming on HBO Max. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. And if you're a member of our Patreon, be sure to check out our Sex in the City playlist if you haven't already. Tune in next week as we keep this strong female lead season going with a discussion on Marvel's Agent Carter. Agent Carter is currently streaming on Disney Plus, so be sure to check it out or refresh your memory. You don't want to miss out on this conversation. The Good, the Bad, the Basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune into our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Follow us at the Good Bad Basic on Twitter and at Good Bad Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut first. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.